July has had multiple opportunities for reflection, such as Independence Day and July 9th, the birth of the Warrant Officer Corps. However, there's another date, July 14th, that we need to remember. And July 14th, 2004, was the renaming of the Warrant Officer Career College headquarters building in honor of Chief Warrant Officer 5, Sharon T. Swartworth. Sharon Swartworth was a Judge Advocate General's Corps Warrant Officer, and she was killed in action on 7 November 2003, supporting Operation Iraqi Freedom in Crete, Iraq. Let us take a moment to remember this hero from our Corps. Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello. In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as an Adjutant General's Corps Warrant Officer. Then we will examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for the Adjutant General's Corps. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. And today, I am joined by Adjutant General's Corps Warrant Officer CW2 Marcus Harvey. Thanks so much for your time today, Marcus. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, please? Absolutely. And before I begin, just wanted to say thank you for not only the opportunity to speak about the AG Corps with you, but also what you're doing for the cohort. My name is Chief Warrant Officer 2, Marcus Harvey. I've been married to my wife, Ashante, for 13 years, and we have three amazing children. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, home of amazing seafood and, of course, the Baltimore Ravens. Grew up in Baltimore my entire life, graduated from the historic Baltimore City College High School in 2004, and shortly after, I made the jump to the Army. I've been in the Army for about 16 years, the last three being the best because I've been a part of the Warrant Officer Corps, Class 1810, Red Knights. Over my Army career, I've had the opportunity to work with some truly outstanding professionals and deploy and support of numerous operations. I'm actually at the tail end of a CENTCOM deployment. When I'm not scouring YouTube for new Microsoft Office tips, I love the grill, party in my wife's hometown of New Orleans, and if I really get some white space in the schedule, I love to take classes. Can you tell me about your MOS, your MOS title, and your duty position, please? I am a 420 Alpha Human Resources Technician, currently serving as the Human Resources Operations Branch Technician for the 101st Division Sustainer Brigade Screaming Eagles. Can you tell me about what your daily work involves, either in garrison or deployment, as you said, and any field or training exercises that you can recall? The daily work at HR Technician is all about being the command team, organization's trusted advisor, and technical expert on HR functions. Whether we're talking about manning the force to ensure commanders have a clear picture of their current array of forces, providing HR services, such as oversight of the awards program, coordinating personnel support with MWR operations, or executing HR plans and operations, the 420 Alpha in the organization has to keep a pulse on all of it. In Garrison, we work in brigade and higher level S1 and G1s, developing and maintaining HR enabling systems, conducting inspections to ensure administrative discipline, and most importantly, providing the technical human resources guidance to commanders. When we're in those positions, whether we're in Garrison, the field, or deployed, our job is the same. Some, uh, like myself, after we spend time in S1G1s, get the opportunity to dip our toes in the HR plans and operations world. While in garrison, these positions are all about training and ensuring SRC-12 elements are resourced, 
when we are deployed and in the field, all of that training becomes real life because we're charged with the planning, coordination, integration, and synchronization of personnel accountability, casualty, and postal operations. For me at the Sustained Brigade HROB level, it's about making sure that the strategic and operational goals are supported from a tactical level. This encompasses everything from the reception, staging, onward movement, and integration process as units move into areas of operations, their redeployment, how they're provided postal support, and unfortunately, battle tracking casualty status. Truly, it's an ever-changing mission. Running estimates can become outdated in a matter of hours. As the HR tech, my job is to synchronize efforts from all levels of HR support. Ensure human resource forces are ready to support the warfighter. And my favorite part, react to all of the changes. No matter if we are moving mail or personnel, the enemy, host nations, and even the weather have a vote on how we operate. Over the past year, dealing with COVID-19 restrictions for personnel movement offered an additional challenge to HR plans and operations, and even traditional personnel service support. Individuals still had to PCS. Soldiers still had to deploy. Soldiers still had to receive their mail while they were deployed. The AG Corps professionals maneuvered through all of that, and I like to believe 420 Alphas, we played a huge role in all of that. I have no doubt that 420 Alphas played a huge role in all that, and they have been outstanding. And I, I appreciate your support to commanders and warfighters for getting all those things done and keeping up morale and keeping up information and keeping us all where we need to be administratively. So thank you. Can you talk to me about how your branch work fits into the warfighting functions? The work of the AG branch is essential to honestly to every single warfighting function. Doctrinally, the AG branch or personnel services, we're aligned against the sustainment warfighting function, along with logistics and health service support. All of our efforts go towards ensuring units are provided with what they need to maintain and prolong operations until mission accomplishment. Well, the most immediate essential asset on the battlefield is people. Doesn't matter how big the gun is or how fast the vehicle, without a soldier operating it, it's not going to win the fight. One of the core competencies for my branch is man the force, which is all about people. As a branch, we're responsible for personnel readiness management. Are our forces ready to fight tonight? Personnel accountability always plays a large role. How many people do we have? Where are they? Turning that data into knowledge for the commander in a timely manner so that he or she can make decisions. Strength reporting or combat power. As a branch, we have to understand crewmen. Yes, we have 100 tanks and 50 aircraft, but do we have the right MOSs, ASIs, SQIs to man the equipment? And finally, personnel information management, oversight of HR enabling systems to ensure that we know the talent that we have in our formations. Of course, as the operation evolves from theater entry to prolonged fighting, the AG branch is there again delivering the necessary support to the warfighter. Sometimes the soldier receiving a package from a loved one or being able to take part in, in an NWR event is what gives them the willingness to fight and continue to carry on. And can you spin that up one more notch into large-scale combat operations, please? For LISCO, the work of the AG Corps is at the forefront and really in the two main buckets, at least from my perspective. Personnel replacement operations and providing accurate and timely information to commanders. In a LISCO environment, personnel replacement operations are going to be a deciding factor of if a commander can accomplish his or her objective. You can't take the hill if you don't have the soldiers to do it with. Unfortunately, a LISCO environment will result in casualties. It will be the responsibility of the AG branch to ensure that replacement forces are available and in coordination with other sustainment elements, specifically mobility, get those personnel to where they are needed. 
the same distribution networks that I use, whether we are talking about ground, air, or even sea to move mail to a location in CENTCOM, where I'm currently at, we could easily be using those to move personnel later on in a LISCO file. What makes it even more important that as the HR tech, I'm not just settling in on one node of transportation right now. We're exercising movements across different lines to ensure that the process can be duplicated and used later for replacement operations. Additionally, providing accurate information to commanders about casualty status. When is that soldier projected to return to the battle? Where are they currently? What was their MOS and skill set? Can we cross level? What does that do to combat power? And at what point, based upon crew manning, is this element no longer able to continue? Additionally, we still have the responsibility of RSOI and redeployment of forces. And yes, postal services. People probably shake their heads when I talk about postal service in a LISCO fight. But hey, I challenge you to find a movie or a book about Vietnam or World War II where a piece of mail wasn't referenced. Thank you so much for that clear articulation of 420 Alpha's work in LISCO. Thank you. Still conceptual, but we're ferreting out multi-domain operations as an army. Can you talk to me about how the 420 Alpha's work fits into that, please? I think the AG branch has somewhat of a leg up on every other branch when it comes to multi-domain or joint warfighting concepts. I'm not just talking about working with cyber elements to ensure uninterrupted access of our enabling system. Army AG soldiers attend the same postal operation courses as other branches. So on the postal side, we operate very similar. If you go into our theater gateways and our A-pods where we execute personnel accountability missions, you will see other branches working alongside and giving briefings and processing different branches than their own. Our RSOI and redeployment processes bring everyone from all the branches together. Custom elements from different branches that screen for contraband for go-home flights. Yes, there are going to be new things that we have to learn as this grows. But if you look at the foundation of what personnel services human resource support is, it is the same across not just our branches, but even a step further with our foreign military partners. There are instances right now where we work in J-1s, and there are outstanding warrant officers out there right now developing and creating systems that allow everyone to talk to the same language when it comes down to counting people, providing actionable information, and providing necessary HR support. Under multi-domain operation, combatant commanders, and even down to lower tactical commanders at a battalion level, are going to be able to call on a wider range of support. The Army HR warfighter, along with HR elements from other branches, are going to be able to continue to work together to support this new way forward. In your time in the Army and as a warrant officer, what have you learned or what would you like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the Army's mission? Being in the Army has been awesome. I didn't even know what a warrant officer was when I was in high school, and I didn't decide to join the Army until my senior year. So when you look at it 16, 17 years later, and I'm working in something that I didn't even know existed when I was growing up and people were asking me what I wanted to do with my life, that's just powerful and that just shows you how the Army really can be for everybody. The best thing about my job is I get the opportunity to make a soldier's day better, whether they're getting mail, getting an award, getting them through RSOI quicker because we found a better way to increase throughput, um, making sure that they're getting paid. In some way throughout the day, the AG branch and I have been fortunate to touch a soldier in a way that possibly made their day better and allowed them to focus on what they have been tasked to do. 
Uh, we've got a, a number of 420 alphas in this current class that I've been working with at Candidate School, the uh, Purple Samurais of 2115, uh, wishing them all the best as they graduate this coming week. What would you say to a new warrant officer who just graduated Candidate School about your branch and about the future of your branch? First, uh, after I get the congratulations out the way, I'd like to actually steal a phrase from Screaming Eagles because, hey, I'm in 101st. Each one of those 420 alphas down there right now, they have their own rendezvous with Destiny. The majority of them going to a BCT. From day one, once they enter into that S1, they're cheap. Personnel are going to be looking to them for guidance and information, not saying it to scare them, but so that they understand their responsibility. They're going to a great team of warrant officers who are there to help if they ask. There are things that are on the horizon for this new crop of warrant officers that are going out, specifically IPSA, the Integrated Personnel and Pay System Army. It's going to fundamentally change how we do everything. And it's already being fielded come December. It reaches active duty and we're all going to be working on the same system. For the first time, National Guard, reservists, active duty, we're all going to be talking the same language as far as a personnel system goes. And it's going to be up to that new warrant officer that's coming to hurdle everybody together, make the commanders understand this is the new system. This is how we use it. And then, of course, as we talked about in the earlier part of the interview, LISCO. There was ever a time where there's a possibility now as a HR tech where you're going to have to deal with that fight. It's now. So that's another change. How we fight is going to change. That new warrant officer is going to be at the forefront to ensure that their unit is prepared to fight tonight. My suggestion to them would be don't be afraid to get from behind their desk. Understand what their organization needs. Figure out how HR plays a role. And just as important, share your experiences. Sometimes you're the only one who has went through that situation or their experience, even though you're W01. Thank you. And uh, that's a big air assault back to you. I was glad to hear pride and getting that esprit de corps going between us. I appreciate that uh, old air assault 101 veteran here, and I'm glad to share that with you. Thank you so much for your time. It's great to hear how warrant officers are talking doctrine, especially uh, from my branch too with the AG Corps. And thank you so much for your time and sharing how the work of warrant officers in our branch contributes to meeting the doctrinal requirements for the Adjutant General's Corps warfighting function and LISCO. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your time, Marcus. And be safe. Have a great homecoming. And we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. On behalf of the Warrant Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warrant Officer to that fight. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation in programs like this. Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdestefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.